Lord. Praise the Lord. That's the reason we're here this morning, because our Redeemer lives. Amen? He's not in some grave or some tomb somewhere. He's at the right hand of the Father. Say, preacher, how do you know? Talk to him this morning. Amen? He's alive. He's alive. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to this morning. John chapter 20. Good to have each of you with us this morning. I hope too many of you didn't go out and eat too much Easter candy. And some of you be in a diabetic coma before the week's over. Yeah, but we're glad you're here. Amen. You say, well, preacher, yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I eat it too. Amen. And it just shows up all, I break out in fat everywhere. Amen. But uh, that's okay. John chapter 20, we begin reading verse 1. It says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and come to the Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went in to the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, which first came, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. If you look with me back in verse 1, where we'll take our text, begin there this morning. It says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, in the sepulchre, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. I'd like to preach a message this morning that I've titled, Do You See What I See? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. I thank you so much for your love and your mercy and goodness to us. It's beyond our comprehension how much the love of God has been shed upon us. That you would give your son, come into this world, die on a cross, take our sins upon him, he who never sinned and die in our place, suffer our shame, suffer our abuse. Lord, I thank you for that. But even more than that, Lord, that shed blood that saved us, Lord, is so important. But that empty tomb is even more important. And Lord, help us to realize that because he lives, we can live also. We thank you so much, Lord, for the blessings. We thank you so much for the goodness and, Lord, how that you do save. And, Lord, that we serve a risen Savior, saved by the blood, alive because our Savior lives. And, Lord, we'll live with you for eternity. Now, Lord, speak to our hearts. Hide me behind the cross today, Lord. May Jesus Christ be lifted up. And, Lord, may you receive all the honor and glory. May the eyes be upon you. May we see you high and lifted up. And we'll give the honor and glory to you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. Each of us has been asked or asked others to question, do you see what I see? 
Or maybe do you see it, looking at something and trying to get somebody else to see it? It's always amazing. My wife said, you see that over there? And she'll point at it, and I don't see what she's looking at. And finally, I'll maybe get a glimpse of it and see just as we go by in the vehicle or something. There's things that you see that they remind you of different things. And I remember for the longest time there, as we would travel from Columbia, when, we, when I was pastoring in New Franklin, where we would travel from Columbia, we'd travel 040 Highway. Down in the bottoms down there, there was a electric pole with a, a guy wire come across and, uh, the highway, and there was a, 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 a vine and all that would grow up on it, and it would grow out across there, and we called it the dinosaur because it looked like a dinosaur. So who first thought it was a dinosaur? Well, she did. I don't see that type of stuff. So I humored her and said, yeah, there's the dinosaur, honey. That's okay. But you see things that maybe in the clouds and different things like that that you, you see, you know, as say, well, do you see that? It looks like a dog or whatever. But not everybody sees the same thing. And not everybody sees what you see. There's been times that people can look at the very same thing and come away with something different that they saw. Such is the case here in this resurrection chapter that we're reading here in John chapter 20. And as we read that, they came away from that tomb with some different thoughts. Yet this morning, I, I've not been to the tomb. I've not been to the cross where my Savior died. I've not been to, to see that stone that's been rolled away. In fact, I've never been to Israel. But by faith, I've seen all of this that we read about this morning. Through the eyes of others of that day, through the eyes of the Scripture as they recorded it for all of us to see as it was made vivid in my heart and in mind by the Holy Spirit of God, confirming what we see through the Scripture. Just as vivid, and I don't know about what you do, but this time of year, and as I read through several times, I'll read through all the Gospels and read the 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 crucifixion, the resurrection, and, and all that to try to refresh my mind and to see it more vividly than, than uh, again. And it just brings back those thoughts and minds and almost picturing our Savior walking uh, up that, that, that hill of Golgotha and then nailing him on that cross and, and dropping that cross into the, into the ground. And the Bible says, and the psalmist says, that every bone came out of joint. See that bruised and battered body, that bleeding and those crown of thorns upon his head, that plucked beard that they plucked from his face. Seeing those gathered around and watching the religious people walking by and mocking. And hear him take that last breath and saying into my father's hand, I commend my spirit, dropping his head and giving up his life because they couldn't take it from him. And taking him down and laying him in that tomb, a borrowed tomb. The stone being rolled over the opening and a seal placed on it and a guard placed there so that nobody could get in. But they never thought about somebody getting out. Then seeing the, the trembling and the falling down as, a, as the angel rolls back the stone and the earthquake and the soldiers falling to the ground and the empty tomb and then those coming to the tomb that morning and looking and seeing it empty. I can see that again. John chapter 20 and verse 29 says, Jesus saith to him, Thomas, 
because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And that's you and I this morning. He said, you know, it's great, Thomas, that you see me. It's great that you see that I'm alive. You can look at the nail prints of my hands and the riven side where they stuck the spear in my side. You can see the nail scars of my feet. But blessed are those who have not seen what you've seen and yet they've seen it through the scripture and they've seen it through the testimony. They've seen it through the hand of the Holy Spirit in their hearts and they've believed that you and me. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. On this resurrection morn, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, a living God, let us take another look. By the way, every day should be Resurrection Sunday. Not just Easter. When we come together and celebrate the resurrection, but every day ought to be Resurrection Day in our lives. When you think about what Jesus Christ did in for you and I, and that he's a living God. He's not a, a dead God laying somewhere in the tomb. First of all, let's consider what these three in our text saw. First, they all had, to, had seen Jesus die on the cross. In John chapter 19, if you backed up there a little bit in verse 25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. She was one that came. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple, this is the other one that he's talking about here. And by the way, the other disciple is John that wrote this. John refers to himself. If you go through the book of, of John, John refers to himself as the other disciple most of the time. He won't call himself by name, but he refers to himself as the other disciple. Standing by whom he loved and saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, John. Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her on his own uh, to his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was a vessel full of vinegar. They filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar. He said, it is finished. Bowed his head and gave up the ghosts. That disciple was there and saw him die. Mary Magdalene was there and saw him die. Peter was there in Luke chapter 23 and verse 27. And there followed him a great company of people and of whom women, which were also bewailed and lamented him. Peter was among that group that saw him die. And as they stood afar off watching what was taking place, in their minds there was no doubt that Jesus was dead. They had seen him die. They had, with their own eyes, that's important that we remember that. Because most, uh, not most of them, but all of them did not believe at that time that Jesus would rise from the dead, even his disciples. We'll talk about that in a minute. The fact is they seen him die. And secondly, on that resurrection day, they saw a moved stone. Look there in verse 1 of John 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when the it was yet dark to the, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Though they came at different times, though Mary Magdalene came first, and there was other women that was with her, if you read in the other Gospels, and apparently she came and got there first, and the others were coming, and she seen the stone rolled away. 
but also that other disciple, which is John. He has he come running up there. He had to see the same thing. He had to see the stone. The very first thing you're going to see as you approach that tomb was the stone is not over the mouth of it. It's it's opened up. It's it's been it's it's been rolled back. And Peter likewise as he came, seeing the same thing, a stone rolled back. He said, "Well, preacher, yeah, that's great. Well, you got to understand." They estimate the stone that was put over the mouth of that tomb to be between two and 3,000 pounds. And not just anybody's going to roll that stone out of the way. Generally, though, they were made in a way so that the stone was sitting up a little bit like this on, a, on an incline, and they would take the stone, take the chalk out from the bottom of it, and roll the stone down that little incline over the mouth of it. To open it up, you would have to roll the stone back up the incline, two to 3,000 pounds. In fact, you'll find that the women, as they came to anoint the body of Jesus, they would go in and though it was wrapped, they wouldn't unwrap the body. They would pour the spices and the ointments upon that for the burial. They even questioned how they were going to be able to to move the stone or who they would get to, to open it up and, and, and to reveal the, to, so that they could get in. In Mark chapter 16, verse 3 and 4, talking about these women that comes in, they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away for it was very great. You see, the angel of the Lord sent, or the Lord sent his angel to, to roll the stone away that it might be seen in as a proof of the resurrection. You say, well, do you think that maybe Jesus Christ himself just got up there and just rolled the stone? No, I believe that by scripture that, that Jesus already ascended out of the tomb and, and then the stone was rolled away by the angel of God so that those that were coming could look in and see that Jesus was already resurrected, that he was gone. They've seen that phenomenon of that stone rolled away. They begin to look upon it. They begin to be puzzled about it. The Lord had rolled it away. It was an obstacle. It was an obstacle for them to see the Lord was gone. This morning, there's obstacles in this room in your life. And the Lord is able to roll that obstacle out of the way that you can see the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, many of us battle with things in our lives and we think, well, how am I going to get there? And, and you're wanting to see God do something. God is able to roll that obstacle out of the way so that you can have freedom to, 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 uh, to get to the Lord and to see the Lord and experience the Lord and know what the Lord wants to do. Some sitting here this morning, you think that you've you got so many problems and difficulties that, that you don't know what to do. Hey, listen, it's an obstacle in your life that the Lord could roll out of the way no matter what it is. Thirdly, they saw that the body was missing. Verse 2, John 20 says, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, now notice what she says, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. The body's missing. When Peter and John came, they also saw that there was no body. You begin to think about that. They saw him die. They apparently went when they placed his body in the tomb because they knew where the tomb was. The stone was rolled over the, over the opening. And now they come, and here's Mary. She's looking at it. She says, the body's gone. She runs back, tells John and Peter, the body's missing. Somebody has stolen the body of our Lord and Savior. Somebody has stolen him. 
They take off running, and as they come, and the first one there is John, and he stops at the opening of the tomb, and he doesn't go in. And he stands there and just glances in, and, and here comes Peter. Peter's always a, uh, on the run. He never stops anything. Man, he just plows right on inside and goes inside, and he sees that there's no body there. After that, John steps in, and likewise again sees that there's no body. The missing body. The fact that the tomb is empty. There's no body there. The living don't stay around the dead. Jesus Christ didn't hang out at the grave. He arose and he, he's alive today. And my friend, can I tell you that he doesn't want you to hang around something that's dead. He wants you to live for him and serve him with everything that's in your life. He wants you to be a living testimony. He doesn't want you to be a dead Christian that walks around in deadness and coldness of heart. He wants you to be alive and living for him and serving him because he lives. We're to live also for him. Fourthly, they saw the mysterious grave clothes. The body's missing. But the grave clothes are there. Then in verse 3 of John 20 says, Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple and came to the sepulcher. They both, they, uh, so they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter. John outrun Peter. And came, to the first, or came first to the sepulcher and stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. It's an amazing thing when you think about that. If they had stolen the body, why would they leave the grave clothes? Well, they wanted to make it look like he did resurrect. If you look at the scripture and you understand the scripture and what's going on there, Joseph of Arimathea and, 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 and um, Nicodemus are the ones that took the body and they wrapped that body in grave clothes. They would take, in that day and time, they would take the grave clothes, they would put them in strips, and they would begin winding around the body. And then they would pour in an ointment, and it would have different types of spices and things, and it became like a gum, it was like a glue, it was very sticky. They would make another wrap around. They would pour some more in, and they wrap it around. In fact, if you look at the scriptures, it says that they poured a hundred pounds of ointment in that wrappings upon those grave clothes. A hundred pounds. They say that that stuff was like glue. That for a person to have unwrapped it would have been very difficult. Not impossible, but very difficult. So if you're going to steal the body you got to have a plan. you got, you got soldiers outside, and you've got, you've got the body that's in there, and, and you've got to get past the guards, and you got to get past the stone, and you got to get in there. And so if you're going to make it look like you stole the body out of there and make it look like you resurrected, you got to leave the grave clothes to have wrapped that without a body in it and take it there and lay it there would have been almost impossible. They looked at the mysterious grave clothes laying there. They seen and they pondered and they thought about those grave clothes. If someone is going to steal that body, they're sure not going to fool around with trying to unwrap it and 
and take the body out of those grave clothes. And I don't mean to be gross, but they would have, if they had done that, they would have pulled a bloody body out because Jesus was bloody. The body was starting to, to decay. And they would have had to pull that body and, and unwrap that and get that out of there in order to handle that body, to get the body out of there and leave the grave clothes. As they looked upon that, it was a mystery to them. How could it be? How could it be? And then they saw something else, the meticulous folded napkin that was laid to the side, not with the clothing. Look at verse 7. And a napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by its side. The custom is, if you go back and do a little research in that day with Josephus and others, historians, they would take and they would wrap the body. But when they got to the face, they would take a napkin and they would place it bound across the face to cover the face. It would wrap up against that, holding it in place. But it was a separate napkin. It wasn't like the mummies that we have seen today where they wrap from head to toe. But they would place a napkin on the face. The peculiar thing about that was that the napkin was folded and it wasn't laying with the grave clothes, but it was laying over to the side. In that day and time when a master of a home would sit down to eat and his servants would bring his food and he would sit down to eat and they would watch what he did with the napkin. If he had to get up from the table and say, go do something and, and uh, well, let's say that he was done eating, he would take his napkin, wipe his mouth, whatever, and he would wad the napkin up and he would throw it on top of the plate. When the servant comes by and sees the master's gone, he'd look down, he'd look at the napkin. No matter how much food was on the plate or what was still on the table. If the napkin was wadded and thrown on the plate, he was done eating. But if he came in and the master was gone and the napkin was folded, Laying not on the plate, but beside it, it meant, I'm not done. I'm coming back. Jesus Christ folded that napkin and laid it beside those grave clothes. And he was telling the disciples and he was telling you and me, I'm not done. I'm coming back. And I'm glad he wasn't done because in 1975, he saved this old sinner. And he, he ain't done yet. He's still saving souls and changing lives. And my friend, can I tell you, whoo, he's coming back one day. And he wants us to know that he cares. And they looked at that napkin and it was meticulously folded where normally people would have just took it off and threw it down. But he folded it and he laid it beside those grave, away from the grave clothes. He's not done. Now quickly, let me look and direct you to the three that are in our text, and how they responded by what they saw. If you do a little word study in some of this here, you'll find that there's three types of seeing or saw or seeth in there. All those come from, can come from the same word in the Greek, 
or they can come from different words that mean different things. All three, there's, there's actually four times that use the word seeth and, and saw and, and so forth. Three of those are three different Greek words that mean three different things. I want us to look at it because they tell us about the person and what was going on in their mind. When Mary saw, she thought someone had stolen the body of her Lord. Remember now, remember, they didn't believe yet that he had risen from the dead. The first day of the week, cometh Mary Magdalene early. When it was dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. She saw, but she didn't believe. Just as so many in the world today don't believe. Just as so many today, the Easter and the resurrection is just another day in their lives. The day that to go to church and worship the Lord, just another day in their lives, it means nothing to them. To talk about Jesus Christ means nothing to them. To, to talk about how he loved them and died on the cross and, and was buried in a grave, it means nothing to them. Their mind can't even be wrapped around it. They don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. The word seeth here in the Greek means to look upon. Not necessarily with understanding, just with a perception that something's happened. Since the stone was rolled away and the grave was empty, that at that point she could only think of one thing, that the body had been stolen. There are many today who just look on what's proclaimed of the death of the burial and the resurrection of our Savior who came to save us from our sins and give us eternal life, yet have no understanding and they go away with the wrong thinking. They don't realize when you begin to tell them what Jesus Christ did for you, the Bible says that we're all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then you begin to talk to them about that they're a sinner and they need Christ as their Savior. and they, It's hard for them to see that because they're blinded. You begin to tell them about there's a, that because of their sins, there's a penalty. That, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. That death is talked about as a second, a second death. Being separated from God in a lake of fire forever and ever, spoken of over in, in Revelation chapter 20. But it didn't stop there. He says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift that God has given to us if we will receive him as our Savior. It's a gift, not something you can work for, not something you can be good enough for, but because the Lord loved us. In fact, in Romans 5, it says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Somebody has to die for sin. Jesus Christ died for your sin and for my sin that we could have eternal life. So, oh, preacher, I'm a pretty good person. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. Oh. But boy, praise the Lord. Over there in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse, and verse, 20, uh, verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But if you back up to verse 10, he says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. The Lord loved you so much and he wants you to be saved. He said, listen, if you receive me with your heart, you can have eternal life. 
not through church membership. It's not through baptism. It's not through good works. But it's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, putting your faith and trust in him. Mary thought somebody had stole the body from what she saw at first. Then we see Peter coming along. Peter takes a close look by going into the tomb. In verse 6, says, Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. The word that's used here in the, in the Greek or it, it, it means see, seeth is different in its meaning. It's viewed. It means to view or to look carefully upon or to observe and consider something's going on. It's a little bit different. Here's Peter. He goes in. He sees the grave clothes. He sees a rolled back stone. He, he walks in. He sees the empty tomb. He sees the grave clothes. He sees the napkins. And now he's, he's looking at this and he's pondering. He's thinking about it. And yet he still hasn't come to the point where he has believed that Jesus rose from the dead yet. He's looking at this and he's pondering. He's really putting some thought to it. He's dismissed about what, what Mary Magdalene had said about the body being stolen because he's thinking about this. Why would the grave clothes be here if the body was stolen? Why would the napkin be here if the body was stolen? Well, what's going on here? And he's thinking and he's looking at this and he's trying to figure out what's taking place. But as of yet, he hasn't grasped the thought. They'd heard over and over of Jesus telling him that he was going to rise from the dead the third day. In fact, over in Luke chapter 24 and verse 12, it records it this way, Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and notice what it says, and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Wondering, wondering. There are those today who look upon the gospel. They look upon the Christian. They look upon the church. They're moved, but they, they're wondering in themselves and perhaps need to see a little more truth lived in the lives of Christians. Looking at your life, looking at my life, looking at the church, looking at, at the things of God and, and wondering, is there something to this? Is there really something to this? I see a, a life change in somebody that says they got saved, that they received Christ. I see a, a life change. But is there really something to this? And they're looking and they're wondering. Could it be real? Is it possible? And they're looking. Oh, they need to see a little more out of you and me. Christian, we need to let them see what we saw when we got saved. Then we come to John. John went in. He takes a look from the inside. At first, he stood on the outside and he looked in. There in uh, verse 5, it says, And he stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. We don't know why he didn't go in. The Bible doesn't say at first. Maybe he was waiting on Peter who went in first. But then John goes in and he takes a closer look. Look at verse 8. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher. And notice what it says, and saw and believed. The word saw that's used here in the Greek is another word that has a different meaning. It's to perceive with intelligent comprehension 
or to know with understanding. Otherwise, when he looked in and and, and, and went in and he looked at those grave clothes lying there and, and he seen no body there and he seen the napkin laying by itself and he, he had already seen the stone that had been rolled away and he's sinking upon this and as he's looking upon it, he begins to realize this is what Jesus said would happen. He said he would rise a third day and he believed upon that because he had seen the, the empty grave clothes. He had seen the, the napkin there. He seen that the missing body was there. He seen that the stone was rolled away and he began to understand all oh, this morning. Be good for every one of us to begin to understand again afresh and anew. He believed now in the resurrection. Whereas before he went, he didn't believe. Well, praise the Lord, 1975. I saw something. Say, what'd you see, preacher? I saw that the Lord was dealing with my heart. Convicted my heart. And I needed a Savior. That I was lost. I couldn't go to heaven on my own. That I knew that if I was to die without Jesus Christ, I'd split hell wide open. I knew that there was no hope for me to get there by church membership, by baptism, by being trying to be a good person or do all kinds of good works and trying to obey this and trying to obey that. I knew that, hey, listen, I saw for the first time that my only hope is in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I saw for the first time and understood that Jesus loved me. I knew he loved me, but I'd never seen it like that before. Oh, you're here this morning. You'll know Jesus Christ, your Savior. You'll know if you was to die today that you'd go to heaven. Listen, I, he wants you to see, but he wants you to understand. He don't want you to be like Mary and walk away uh, not believing. He don't want you to be like Peter and, and just uh, think about thinking that it's a good thing and that, yeah, it might be and, and ponder. He wants you to believe like John believed. Do you see what I see? Or are you just trying to figure it out like Peter? The resurrection is so important to the salvation of the lost. Why do we come with such a fervence and desire on Easter, which should be every Sunday, which should be every service, which should be every day, but there's something about when we begin to think about that resurrection of our Savior from the dead, when we begin to look at that, we begin to think about it, and it's because it's so important to our salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, or the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, you must see that in your heart and believe him like John did. With your heart. Understanding that he loved you and he died for you. Then believe on him with your heart and, and repent of your sins and ask him to come in your heart and life and save you. And he said that he would. <coughs> and in closing, do you see what I see this morning? I see the very Son of God who suffered and died for me on the cross. I see a stone rolled away. And the missing body of Jesus because he rose from the grave, just like he said he would. You see, death couldn't keep him, and the grave couldn't hold him. And on that third day, he come out of that grave. And because he lives, we can live also. 
I see those depart, uh, departed grave clothes and a folded napkin that tells me he's not done, that he's coming back. I see a glorious Savior this morning that loves me and cares for me and loves you and cares for you and loves the world that he came into the world to die in your place that, he could, that you could have eternal life. That's how much love he has for you. I see a living Savior. I don't serve a dead Savior. I, I serve a living Savior. I see that loving Savior. I see that merciful Savior who has mercy on you and me that, hey, listen, we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve forgiveness of sins. But my friend, he's merciful unto us and he forgives us of our sins and he's willing to cleanse us. First John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I see a powerful, mighty God. I see a King of Kings and a Lord of Lords that I'll stand before one day. I see the judge of the whole world. I see a Savior who is about to come again. Oh, this morning, do you see what I see? He wants you to. Through that Bible that you're holding in your hands, as the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you what Jesus Christ did for you, and how that he loves you and how he came and died in your place. And he rose the third day. And because he lives, we can live also. Oh, do you see what I see? Say, preacher, I'm trying to. Keep on looking. Keep on looking. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, and you haven't seen it, why don't you come and let us take a Bible and show you so that you can see how you can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't die without Him. Preacher, i got plenty of time. You can't guarantee me that. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart as in the provocation. There's not a guarantee that a single person in this room will be alive tomorrow. Say, so, well, I'm young. Doesn't matter. Well, I'm healthy. Doesn't matter. All around us, people die. Young and old alike. I've walked by many a casket. I've escorted caskets no bigger than that to the graveyard. My friend, do you see what I see? In a Savior called Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, shed his precious sinless blood for you and me, that we might be cleansed by that blood. He rose again from that third, on the third day from that grave. And he's alive and he's at the right hand of the Father. And he's wanting you to be with him throughout all eternity. Do you see what I see? Let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for the love that was shown as our Savior went and died on the cross in our place. Shed that precious sinless blood. Lord, to cleanse us from all sin, that we might have eternal life. Saved by faith through grace. Lord, thank you for the resurrection because we serve a living Savior. Have your will and way this morning an invitation. Maybe we just need to come up to this altar this morning and take a fresh look as a Christian. Get our hearts stirred again. Be moved like John was moved. Be stirred because of the resurrection.
But Lord, there may be some here this morning, size of crowd in this auditorium, Lord, that don't know if they was to die today, they'd go to heaven. Lord, they're without any hope except they receive Christ as their Savior. May they step out and come. Let us take a Bible and show them how to be saved today. Have your will and way in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed, your eyes.